is Jared and the GM live here at Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tavern. Come on by and register to win those tickets. If you want to go to tonight's game for about an hour and a half, you've got another shot to come on by and register to win. We got one pair to give away, so stop on by. Fill out your name, put it in the box out here at Pete and Terry's Tavern right outside Bridgestone Arena, and you can win those tickets, Floyd. And again, while we're out here at Pete and Terry's Tavern on game day, happy hour, 3 to 6. So, Floyd, it's time for happy hour. Order up some fireball shots on you. And uh, $5 domestic drafts, $6 craft drafts, and $7 specialty This is starting to fill up already. People around. Did you see they expanded this whole area back here? I mean, it goes clear over to the other side, so there's a lot of room. Well, they know that Crispy is coming at 4.30, so that's uh, why everybody's lining up. That'll fill it up. To get to meet Crispy. So, yesterday, Titans had practice as they get ready for Buffalo, and I'm scared to death about this Buffalo game. Adam Vingan today was talking about, there's no way they're going to lose to the Buffalo Bills, and I'm like, Adam, I done seen it too many times. And Robbie Stanley was standing right there like, yep, yes, yes, you have. And I have. And so I'm scared to death about the Buffalo game. But I'm hopeful that Mariota can build off of his good performance against Atlanta. By the way, the final poll result came in for yesterday. 61% of the people approve of Marcus Mariota, which, again, aligns with Floyd's theory that win game, go up. Lose game, go down. (laughs) Now. It's a real shocker. I (laughs) asked Mariota a question. And that is, what can he personally what can he improve on the most after a quarter of the season? I asked Mariota that question yesterday. Here's what Mariota said. What do you feel like you need to improve on the most, or what are you focused on improving on the most? Well, I, first and foremost was just the negative plays. You know, I feel like if we can stay on track on first and second down, we give our chance a better opportunity to sustain drives by being a third and manageable. So that's been a focal point for me uh, these first few weeks. You know, last week was a little better. And I can still improve on that. And that's, that's what's cool about this game is no matter what, you can always improve. So we know that, you know, really the, the point of emphasis for Vrabel ever since the first couple weeks of the season has been staying out of third and long, that that's been a problem. Even in Cleveland, they got in a lot of third and long. Indy, Jacksonville, a ton of third and longs. So Mariota's talking about those negative plays that cost the team and set up those third and longs. I, I get that. But that wasn't really what I was asking. What I was asking was more for him personally. That is not a team thing, but him. What can he improve on? And he gave me a team point of emphasis. Floyd, for you, typical. what do you think he can improve on the most? Just him. Well, I, I mean, if there's anything of the, of the important things, for me, it would be accuracy. I mean, he's, we've seen him throw him in the dirt. We've seen him throw him over the top. We've seen him throw him, you know, just about any place except where it was supposed to be. So, and, and that's not all the time. You know, that's, again, that's as frustrating as anything else. But he'll get into those games where he'll, he'll throw, you know, three or four or five errant balls that just leave you shaking your head. And the sad part about it, this team is not good enough to throw five errant balls, to drop three other balls, and to get your running game stopped for second and a ten five times. You know, that's too many negative plays. You can't survive that. And that's what, you know, the teams that, the games that we've struggled 
those are the kinds of things that have happened. So I think there's like non-accurate quarterbacks, and then there's guys like Drew Brees, who Drew Brees could hit that little picture of Crispy that's about 60 feet away from us and probably hit Crispy, the little mini picture of Crispy, square in the hands because he's Drew Brees. That's but, uh, Drew Brees, i got a great Drew Brees story. I hate to interrupt you, but we were working. We had a scrimmage with him, or we were someplace when I was in New England, and we were talking to him about because he was so accurate with the ball, and we said, Okay, you know, you're in too deep and you're running and the middle linebacker is running and the middle linebacker has the guy covered. You can't, you know, all you can do is see the top of his head. Where do you what do you do with the ball? He and he said, "Well, where's the linebacker's eyes?" <laughs> he said, "If the linebacker's looking at the receiver, I'm putting it on his hands and he'll catch it. If he's looking at me, then we'll go the other way." You know, but that's how precise he was not after you boil it all down say okay this is where i'm going to throw the ball now you're looking at a guy that's 40 yards away and you're looking at his eyes to determine whether you throw or not pretty impressive i'm going to say marcus probably doesn't do that probably not there yet but like to me there are guys that that have accuracy problems and then there are guys who just literally cannot throw like tebow josh allen this week for example that guy he can throw it but He's not very accurate. You know, he's not Lamar Jackson, not very accurate. Marcus is in between Drew Brees and, you know, the the Lamar Jacksons and the Jake Lockers and those kind of guys. Because we see Marcus make so many accurate throws. And then to your point, sometimes he'll overshoot a guy by 15 yards. And you're like, Marcus, what what the hell was that? Why is that? Is that a footwork thing? No is idea. that Because it's obviously but, not a, a talent thing if he's shown the talent to be accurate. Well, that's why you, you wonder when he plays a game like last week, and this is, this is ultimately the way his, his kind of career has gone. This is ultimately going to be the question that has to be answered. Is the question what we did at Jacksonville, or is the question what we did last week? That's the question. And you just don't know because you see him both so often. You see him go out and not miss a throw, right on the money, timing's perfect, accuracy's perfect, uh, and then the next week it's all over the ballpark. And you're saying to yourself, this can't be the same guy. You know, how can they, how can, how can you see these two, uh, two games that are so far apart? And so that becomes the problem because you're going to – there will be those that will convince you that, yes, that's the real Marcus. That's the way he, he's going to play. But, you know, that's why I said when you go into a game like this, you need these kinds of games. You need these next five, six, or seven – if you're Marcus, five, six, seven, however many games in a row to prove that you really are the guy to prove that all those accurate passes are that's the real Marcus that is me I've got the best protection I've had all year and this is the result look at the ball look at him catch it look at him run with it and if you can't do that then you know you go right back to where you were I almost wonder if the Buffalo Bills game is a critical game for Mariota's career in and of itself because we've talked about the fact that they need and and you I mean I I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but I interpreted what you said yesterday about Marcus as he's got to find a way to win this game. That even if, like last year, you know, Taewon Taylor fumbles the ball, Nick Williams drops the ball, Deion Lewis fumbles the ball, and you lose at Buffalo, 
that he's got to find a way to, even if they do this Sunday, they have to overcome that. He's got to overcome that and find a way to win the game. And it's the whole point of the Titans so desperately need this Buffalo game in order to get on a roll. And I'm looking at it like if he gets on a roll, right? Like if they get on a roll and they let's, let's say they win four in a row or whatever it is until the, the Chiefs game on November 10th. If they get on that kind of roll, people will feel really good about him as the starting quarterback of the Titans. Exactly. But if you lose to Buffalo, that stops any chance you would have ever had at getting on a roll. Well, it doesn't stop any chance, but it certainly makes it harder. This is a perfect opportunity for him. I mean, people are excited. People liked what they saw last week. People can people can give you a lot of reasons why that's what we've been looking for and give you a lot of reasons why he was effective and all those kinds of things. That's easy to get behind him. But if you go out this next week and blow it, people are going to give you a bunch of reasons why he's rotten. You know, well, see, there you go. You know, good one week, bad the next. Same old Marcus. This is why you can never count on him. All the things that are going to prevent him from getting what he ultimately wants in the end, which is he wants to be a Titan for the next X number of years and have a nice contract, and and that's what everybody else wants too. That's why it's important for him to get on this role because he's got time. He could actually put together two roles. You know, he could get a nice four, five, six-game role, lose a game or two, and then jump in and get another four, five, six. You know, and then at the end of the year, you're going, wow. We, we didn't, you know, we didn't expect to see this side of Marcus, but we're certainly glad it's here. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Can Marcus get on that role? Do you believe Marcus can get on that role? Does Floyd believe he can get on that role? We'll get to that coming up, as well as the fact Marcus has not thrown an interception this year. But is he being aggressive enough? We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, we're live from Pete and Terry's Tavern at Bridgestone Arena getting you ready for the Pred season opener tonight. It's Jared and the GM on ESPN 1025, the game. What's the line, though, on that between not throwing interceptions, not putting the ball in danger, but also being able to take a shot that may not result, may result in an interception or something like that? Right. And Coach Vrabel, we talk about all the time, you have to play aggressive. You know, in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish in this league, you have to, to play aggressive. You can't play conservative. So finding the happy medium, you know, I trust our guys with any 50-50 ball. So if there is a, a matchup or something that we like, we're going to try and, and take advantage of it. That was Marcus. He has not thrown an interception this year. But what is the line between being smart with the football and maybe needing to be aggressive and take some chances? I mean, Brett Favre, no offense guy, was not afraid to throw an interception. Neither was Dan Marino. Neither were a lot of guys out there. that They're just not afraid to throw picks. Mariota, not saying he is, not saying he's not. Floyd Reese, do we think Marcus is sacrificing opportunity in favor of not taking risks with the football? Or is it good fortune that Mariota hasn't turned the ball over yet? Or is it a strength of his? maybe that he becomes a guy who just doesn't throw interceptions. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they are trying to, you know, educate him. Not that he, not that he doesn't know. I mean, and when you, when you, when the pattern develops, there's always, almost always somebody that is like a home run part of the, of the pattern. 
and you, the home run guy, may be there to actually get the home run, catch the ball, or he may be there to be a decoy and just open up what's going to come behind him or underneath him. And so I think it's, you know, it's um, from Marcus' standpoint, it's a matter of if it's there and you know you can fit it in, then go ahead and do it. If it's going to be, if it's close enough that you go, you know, I shouldn't throw this ball, then don't throw the ball because we cannot afford the turnovers. And, and so I would be one of those guys, if anything, to be pulling back and saying, you know what, just keep throwing. If you finish with 28 uh, TDs, no interceptions, we'll win a bunch of games. So do you think that that's what he's doing, though? Like, do you think that, that the zero interceptions is good luck, or do you think that he has been so preached to about Marcus, do not throw interceptions, that Marcus looks at a throw and is like, ah, maybe I could, but no, don't do it because I don't want to throw an interception now. Yeah, I mean, that, and, and I understand what people are trying to make out of that, but it doesn't work that way. I mean, there are going to be times where you can throw an aggressive ball that is not necessarily an interception ball. You run a nine, you run an outside pattern and just run as fast as you can up the field. I'll throw it down there and I'll overthrow you or underthrow you or whatever. Ball will bounce around. There'll be a pass interference. There'll be, you know, whatever it may be. But generally speaking, unless it's really, really a bad throw, it won't end up in an interception, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, and, and there are going to be patterns that'll be like that. Uh, but there's no need throwing the ball into, you know, a crowd or throwing the ball into a free safety or, or throwing the ball into a situation where, I mean, there are going to be enough balls that are intercepted by tips, by drops, by bouncing off of somebody's hands into a defender's hands, all of those kinds of things. I mean, they'll have, they'll have plenty of time to rack up their interceptions without risking any on their own. I don't think we've reached the point to where Mariota's got to make crazy plays yet, you know, like to win them a ball game. In the Indianapolis game, they just had to not do stupid stuff, mainly him, had to just not do stupid stuff to win that game, more so than it was Marcus has got to take a shot down the field to get them. They, they never got to that point. Yeah. And in the Jacksonville game, he took shots, and they hit shots, and he missed a shot, and he missed a couple of shots, but they took shots down the field against Jacksonville, and they hit a couple of them. I mean, Tajay Sharp beat Jalen Ramsey on like a 40-yard pass, so they took their chances against Jacksonville. But it doesn't. I'm not at the point where I feel like Marcus is not being aggressive enough yet. But then I look at the zero interceptions and I'm like, Marcus isn't good enough to be able to be taking the high risk, high reward throws and not have a single interception to it. Well, it's the same way. The guys that take the high risk, high reward throws, like Brett Favre, you mentioned Brett, is the guy that's going to throw two interceptions a game, but he's also going to throw five touchdowns. Well, that's not Marcus. You know, that's not what Marcus is. Marcus is a, a three-touchdown, no-interception kind of guy. And that's that right now. That's You don't want him to be something that he's not going to be. So I think we're okay with, with what he's doing right now. Do you think the Titans make the playoffs if Mariota, I'm not going to say doesn't throw an interception the entire year, but if Mariota continues on the pace he's at right now, 3,700 yards, 28 touchdowns, no picks, are they a playoff team? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you win a bunch of games. Bunch. But, 
I feel like there's a but there. No. Because oh, even though Marcus has been inconsistent this year, I don't feel like any game that they've played this year, I, I don't feel like Marcus's stats are crazy. Like, I'm not sure quarterbacks ever finish with 28 touchdowns and no picks in a season. But if Marcus finishes, let's say Marcus finishes 26 and 4. Like, that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with those numbers. But I can't, I'm also not going to say that that's not doable this season for him to finish 26 and 4. Oh, sure. So if he does that, then I feel like they're going to make the playoffs. So oh, then, I don't know about that now. You, you went from 28 to nothing to 26 and 4. The, the, the sad part, each one of those four could cost you a game. You know, that's the that's the scary part. But, I mean, you're going to be a heck of a lot better off than you're going to be with, what was it, 11 and 8? I mean, that's for sure. You won nine games with 11 and 8. So 24 and 4 or whatever you said, I mean, you ought to be able to win a, an additional game somewhere along the line. And then the other question I have for you as far as that is what is the difference? You know, he threw 15 picks the year before. He threw eight picks last year. Where are the interceptions this year? You know, if you're, if you're going to throw 15 picks in 15 games, that's a pick a game. That was two years ago. He, he's not going to throw 15 interceptions this year unless he decides to become Jameis Winston overnight. Well, and you're not going to. You're not going to be able to overthrow the ball as much as he has for the entire year and not have a bunch of those intercepted. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to have a bunch of tipped balls and, and not have those intercepted. So I think that's the key thing, is that, you know, all of those mistakes or errant throws or lack of accuracy to date haven't cost you anything, which is, which is good. But, you know, before long, you're playing the right team at the right time, all of those errant throws are interceptions that cost you games. I think you're kind of flip-flopping a little bit on Mariota. From what standpoint? Well, I felt like you were very, I don't want to say anti-Mariota, but it felt like after the, the two games, you were really down on Marcus. Marcus has a good game against the Falcons. And I feel like you, I felt like you made up your mind on Mariota after the Jacksonville game. And now you're like, hey, if he gets on a roll right now, then he can really show that he should be the guy. It's like you've given him another opportunity after the Falcon game. Well, and I think that's part of the problem that he's going to run into. Well, that's how the which fans is, feel, but you're the GM. You're supposed to which be is, But if you're the GM, if you're John Robinson, what are you looking at? I mean, you look at that Jacksonville mess? You think you want your franchise looking like that? No, absolutely not. Then you look at what you do last week. You want your franchise looking like that? Yeah, that looks pretty good. So, I mean, it's it's a reflection of what what he's seeing. That's why Marcus is such a a divisive person. You know. Oh yeah. Uh, it's not. It's, it's like it's not like we can just collectively you, say Marcus sucks. No, you can take either side. It's going to be fifty fifty, like we always say. And there are going to be those that love him are going to really love him, and those that hate him are going to really hate him. And it's and it's nothing in between. And and if you're a guy like J. Rob, J. Rob, you want to love him. Is he going to let you love him? You know, and against Jacksonville, no, nah, you couldn't do it. I mean, that was that was too hard. Floyd, how important is fumbling? It's exactly the same. Same as interceptions. Well, I'm just talking about in general for a football team. 
Oh, critical. How much do you hate fumbling? Oh, I hate fumbling. How much did you, when you had a player that fumbled too much, what would you do with him? Sit him down. <laughs> you don't have an option. Other I, didn't want, I didn't want to play him. Okay. So what Vrabel says about fumbles and what Marcus says about fumbles are two totally different, in my opinion, two totally different things, the way they talked about the fumbles. What Vrabel said, what Marcus said, and why I'm a little surprised by both of them. We'll get to that coming up next. Live from Pete and Terry's Tavern. Stop by Pete and Terry's Tavern today and register to win a pair of tickets to tonight's Preds game against Minnesota. Come on by. Speaking of tonight's game, you will see that happy Hiller logo right there on the ice. Hiller, plumbing, heating, cooling, and electrical. They take great care of my house. They can take great care of yours. They're also proud supporters of the Nashville Predators and of the Tennessee Volunteers. Hiller has true transparency pricing, which means anytime you go with Hiller, you will get a fair price because they will break everything down for you with no special fees or hidden charges or crazy rates or anything of the like. That's why Hiller has been number one. They are the best, and they have a 5.8. They have a 4.8 out of five-star rating on over 15,000 online reviews. That's Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. I absolutely love them, and you will too. Proud supporters of the National Predators, call the Happy Face Truck today. I think they play really hard. I think it's well-coached. I think the players play extremely hard. It's a good scheme. They play with really good technique, fundamentals. Um, really good on first down. It's a good third down package. So it, it's a really good challenge. I mean, they're a consistent top top tier defense for for a reason. They they bat a lot of passes. Um, Twenty, I think, eight or nine PBUs, and I think ten of those are at the line of scrimmage. Guys that are rushing. So that's um, it. Would certainly be a big big key for us this week is to try to to not let them sit there and bat balls down. Vrabel, he's worried about the Buffalo defense. Floyd Reese, are you worried about the Buffalo defense this week? You bet. They're playing good. And they kicked the daylights out of you last year when you went up to Buffalo. And I don't forget things like that. So the Titans fumbled the ball a bunch last year at Buffalo. And as Floyd brought up on Monday, they've been fumbling the ball a lot lately. They haven't been losing the ball. But Davis fumbled at Jacksonville, and Henry fumbled against the Falcons, and Mariota fumbled against the Falcons. And it just seems like fumbling has become an issue with the Titans, even though they haven't been losing the fumbles. And when you keep fumbling the football, eventually you will fumble the football to the other team. Yes, you will. And so I asked Vrabel yesterday about the fact that this time last year, before they played Buffalo, Vrabel spent all week preaching about fumbles because Buffalo forced a lot of fumbles. And what did the Titans go do? They went up to Buffalo, and they fumbled the ball. So I asked Vrabel about the fumbling yesterday. Last year you preached before the Buffalo game that they forced a lot of fumbles last year, and then you guys went up there and, and fumbled a couple Sure did. This week, how much? I know you always are preaching fundamentals and things like that, but how important with this defense is ball security? Critical. We, we've put far too many. I mean, the ball isn't round. It's just bounced for us or out of bounds or back to us. The times that we fumbled, we fumbled far too many times, and uh, that's only going to catch up with you. Um, if we continue down that path, that's something we've talked about. We need to continue to work it at practice, and uh, and understand that that's going to be critical to this week. Is is who can who can find some turnovers and, and give their offense a short field to work on. So Vrabel says it's critical. And I think Rabel had the same take you had Monday on three up, three down when you said fumbling to you is becoming a problem and saying, hey, Rabel saying, look, the ball's not round. 
So we've had good fortune on that, but the ball is on the ground too much. That is a problem. Clearly it's an issue for Mike Vrabel. Oh, yeah. And and he's he's scared to death with it, as I am. You know, because it's like he said, it's only a matter of time before it hits the ground and doesn't go out of bounds and cost you a game. So, and that's how close all that is. So Marcus, who fumbled against the Falcons and got it back, and it could have been a terrible fumble if Atlanta picks that ball up. Marcus luckily gets it back. Marcus was asked about his fumbling. This was Marcus yesterday. Talked about the importance of ball security. How concerned are you with your own fumble issues, or if they're if if you think it's an issue this year? Um, you know, I sometimes the ball is going to pop out. It happens, um, and you got to give credit to the defense for you know po- for popping it out. Uh, I can do a better job of securing it and putting it away, but I think the several instances that I have fumbled, it was a result of the guys on the other team making a play. So there's Marcus saying, "Hey." You know, that guy made a play on their team, and that's why I fumbled. I, I'm not going to worry too much about the fumbling. Vrabel is scared to death about the fumbling. Marcus is not worried about it. Floyd, what do you think about the dichotomy and the two responses about the fumbling? Well, I mean, you're talking about one guy. Marcus Marcus is, if I know a player, <laughs> the way players think, he thinks he's there talking about Henry fumbling. And so he's saying, well, you know, it can be, get it punched up and he can't, not himself. And, uh, and the bottom line is that he's, he had, you remember his early in his career had a fumbling problem. Oh yeah. A real issue. The first two years. And then he kind of pulled himself out of it. And so he, when he takes off running with the ball, he does not do a good job of carrying the ball. And he has got to do a much better job of putting that ball away. Uh, and and Derek Henry does the same thing, you know. Derek gets lax with the ball, and we've been really really lucky with it. So those guys have got to to rectify that, you know. Uh, Bill used to always give a speech in front of the team where he would take a ball like that and he would hold it up, and he would say, "You know what? Think about all the money you guys are paid in this room. Think about all the hours that you've spent." getting ready for the season. Think about all the times you've been at practice. Think about all the times you've been lifting weights. Think about And he would go on and on and on. And the amount of money and the franchise. And, the, and he goes, it's all based on this. And he would hold the ball up. If you don't have this, you're throwing all of that away. All of it. He says, you hold on to this, we're keeping it all. Marcus has three fumbles so far on the season. That's 12 fumbles for the season. That's horrible for a quarterback to fumble the ball 12 times. Oh, yeah. Henry, way, way too many. Henry has two fumbles, and then Delaney Walker has one, and Corey Davis has one. I don't remember Delaney Walker fumbling the ball. I don't, I don't either. I mean, they obviously must have gotten it back. Ian, do you remember Delaney Walker fumbling the football? In this game? No, 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 in the, on the season. Like, Davis has a fumble. I remember Davis's fumble was on the sidelines against Jacksonville. A lost fumble? No, 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 just a fumble. Again, Davis has a fumble. I don't think the Titans have lost a single one of these fumbles. I think maybe he did, and it went out of bounds, but I can't remember exact play. I mean, I don't think the Titans have lost a single fumble on the year. I could be wrong. Jackson. But, yeah, oh, yeah, off- yeah, Dory Jackson Offensive fumble, yeah, fumble yeah. yeah. But I don't think so, – so you've got Mariota fumbling it three times – so far on the season. Henry has fumbled it twice. 
and yet you haven't gotten burned with the fumble. Yeah, so you fumbled it, what, seven, eight times? Eight times. Haven't lost any. Okay. So you, well, to me, that's called playing with fire. You can't count on that. I mean, that is, you are averaging, you are averaging at that point 30, what is it, 32 fumbles a season? You're uh-huh. averaging two fumbles a game if you fumble the ball eight times, and you're not going to get them all back. So if you fumble the ball twice a game and you lose one of those, and then eventually the numbers are going to catch up to you. So if you go eight, if you go eight fumbles without fumbling it away, then you'll go eight fumbles where you fumble it to the other team. Now you've just lost four games. Sure. And so if that happens, like to me, the, what I worry about with Marcus when he talks about the fumbling compared to how Vrabel talks about the fumbling is I'm worried that Vrabel takes the fumbling seriously and the players don't. That the players are like, oh, don't bother me about that because I, you know what? The guy made a nice play, but it's all right. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. And I'm with you, Floyd. It's not fine to fumble the ball eight times so far this season. Exactly right. I mean, there's there's no excuse. And and they'll say, you know, just like Marcus did, well, you know, they hit it just right. They go after the ball. Well, let me tell you, they're going after the ball this weekend. This team I forces fumbles better than anybody that. else. And so if you if you if that's an excuse for you, you're going to have a long night because there is going to be a bunch of that going on. So you need to get to a point that you can secure that ball, put it away, and forget about it. The, the only game the Titans have lost a fumble this year is Jacksonville. That's the only game that they've lost that they have lost a fumble. That's the only game that they have turned it over, and it has affected them is Jacksonville. Right. Well, that's not going to keep happening. So I don't know how you coach it, though. What are you going to do? Put Derrick Henry on the bench? Uh, if he fumbles, yeah. And then you're going to put in Deion Lewis, who fumbles uh, who, more. Uh, you put in whoever you got. I mean, because you know if he plays and he fumbles, you lose. So you figure, hey, anything else, you got a chance better than that. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, but but you know he had the background he came from. He knows how to carry a ball. He knows the proper way. He understands the impact of a fumble. I mean, there is no, you know, I'm not taking I, I, I'm secure in the fact that he knows the the impact of a fumble and what it means to a team. So you're not worried about Derek's fumbling, but you're worried well, about Marcus's I'm, fumbling? I'm worried about anybody's fumbling, but it's not like Derek is going to take it lightly. You know, is Derek going to fumble, you know, and they'll be good, those guys that'll take. Pepper Rogers used to say the only guys that fumble are the guys that run hard. He said the guys that just run up there, get hit and fall down, they don't ever fumble because they never take a shot. They never get hit hard enough to fumble because the only guys that fumble are those guys that are always looking for the extra yard and spinning and fighting and turning and all of a sudden somebody reaches in and pokes a ball, not even on purpose, just accidentally. And the ball's out, and now you're in trouble. So, I mean, there are those that believe that way. How about this? Josh Allen of the Bills has fumbled five times this year. The Bills have forced five fumbles. and Or, no, the Bills have forced four fumbles through four games on defense. Allen himself has fumbled the ball five times and recovered it once. And he's thrown however many interceptions. He threw three interceptions last week. I mean, he kind of sucks, doesn't he? Well, you can't, I mean, turn the ball over. It gives you an idea how good the defense is. If you're turning the ball over at that rate and your defense is still playing good ball, 
That's pretty impressive. The Bills have played four games this year. In those four games, they have four fumble, four turnovers, no turnovers, two turnovers, and four turnovers. So you're looking at ten turnovers in four games. However, their defense has forced eight turnovers. So even though, I mean, if you, it sounds to me the way they turn the ball over, you go there and you don't turn the ball over, you're probably going to win the game. Or you play Sunday here, you don't turn the ball over the way they turn it over, you'll probably win. Well, turnovers are going to be one of the key elements in this game anyway, only because the two teams are almost identical. You know, the two teams are fashioned the same way. The things they're going to do to win, they're going to do the same way. The things that are going to cost them games, they're probably going to do the same way. Um, but, I mean, this is – it's not by accident. I heard this morning, I think the last three uh, Buffalo games have been determined by one point, you know. So it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be a point or a field goal. It's going to be tight. It's going to be close. And, and if you turn the ball over one time, it very well could cost you the game. 615-737-1025, 615-737-1025. Jared and the GM, Floyd has a holier-than-thou get-off-my-lawn take that I just simply cannot agree with. Do you know which one it is? No. We'll get to that next. Jared and the GM, live from Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tavern. Again, stop by and register to win tickets, plus happy hour started 45 minutes ago. Happy hour 3 to 6, $5 domestic drafts, $6 craft drafts, and a $7 specialty cocktails. Jared and the GM, it's ESPN 1025, the game. Bases loaded, two down. Ball to strike the count. Soto straightaway stance left side. Hater at the bell. Hater kicks fires. Swing and a line drive. That's a base hit in the right field. In to score. And that one gets past Grisham. In to score is Taylor. So is Stevenson. Rendon in. The bases have cleared. And Soto delivers Grisham with the misplay. Wow. So Floyd hates baseball. We all know that, right? Fair to say? I'm not sure hate. You hate baseball. I mean, I just find I'm just not a baseball fan. So Floyd, I believe, hates baseball. And today, Floyd had the most old man get off my lawn take. So that's the base hit from two days ago, the Nationals and the uh, Brewers. And the right fielder screws up, ball goes behind him, all three runs score, and the Brewers lose, right? And your take was that... That it you that a professional baseball player should never make that play, which I agree this with. This is professional baseball. What's one of the essence of professional baseball? Get that big thousand dollar mitt that you've got on the ground so you stop the ball. So then Floyd turns around and acts like stuff like this doesn't happen in football, right? He, he acts like, I said, it's like a guy dropping a pass. And he was like, no, it's not. It, you know what it's like? It's like a field goal kicker missing a 38-yard kick. Oh, it could be. That if happens in football. But you were acting like. Oh, you're comparing baseball to a kicker? I would agree with that. Or like a receiver <laughs> missing the ball. No, no. Receiver misses the ball, generally speaking, when there's a DB hanging all over him clawing at his eyes. Sometimes Corey Davis just drops it. Not very often. 
Yes, it's happened each of the last. It's happened two of the last three weeks. The Corey Davis does, has dropped the ball. If it does, then he should be. That's this is the NFL. You should catch those balls. But generally speaking, in the NFL, when a ball in baseball, nobody touches you. Nobody's around. It's just you, the glove, and the ball. Put the ball on the ground. Let the ball roll into it. Throw it into the second baseman. That's all I'm asking you to do. And I'm paying you five, six, ten, twelve, fifteen million dollars a year. To well, do he's that. trying to throw the ball to the plate and get the guy out. Yeah, right. Can't even catch it. How's he going to throw it to the plate? He would have. He would have killed the third baseman. Not looking at the ball. <laughs> I just think that you... I know baseball has the worst athletes in professional sports. No, absolute worst athletes in professional sports. Of the major, I'm talking about. Major. Oh, I'm talking about track and field, like those decathletes or whatever. No, 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 not decathletes. The ones, the shot putters, like the shot putters and the discus throwers. Those are worth ass. Worth worse athletes than baseball players. Well, how do you classify an athlete? Well, I mean, you know, can a can a shot putter go run a sprint? Well, no. Can a baseball player? <laughs> a good. I've watched a bunch of those guys run to first base. There's no sprinter involved. Well, it's the same as the offensive lineman. You know, if you've got a center fielder who's trying to steal bases, he's supposed to be fast. So he's like a wide receiver or a running back that can run. But if you've got a big, powerful first baseman, he's not supposed to run, just like your left tackle is not supposed to sprint 40 yards down when the field. When I was in college getting my master's in kinesiology at a fine educational institution, UCLA, we ran tests on professional athletes as part of our master's degree and compared the athletes in each sport. And baseball was pitiful. Pitiful. Do you know who the best were? Basketball. And is that why you believe strongest, that basketball is strong, harder than hockey? Strongest players in professional sports? So is that why you believe... Basketball. Is that why you believe that basketball is stronger than hockey, or basketball players are, be, are better athletes than hockey players? That's or, why I think basketball is harder player, than than hockey. I think that's why I think basketball players are the best athletes in pro sports because of what you ask them to do, what they have to do with the mass of their bodies. My other question I have is why why can't you get into baseball for the playoffs? Because I think this discussion came up when I said to you, like, you know, I, I know nobody likes baseball, but I like baseball. And you just were like, baseball, dang, I missed the ball. I can't. You know what? I can go home. I can turn the baseball game on. I can go eat dinner. I can take the dog out, let him go to the bathroom. I can turn the wa- the sprinklers on. I can come back in. The second batter's up. <laughs> I missed one batter. I've missed 12 pitches or something. You know what? I'm not interested in that. I got more better things to do than to sit and watch some guy undo his gloves the same way he does every time he's at bat, step out of the batting box, grab his crotch, spit, and jump into the box ready to go. I, that just I just can't watch that. There is nothing entertaining about that to me. But they've always done that, and I'm sure you watched baseball as a kid. No, I played baseball. I love playing baseball. Because you like grabbing your crotch out there before you spit. Yeah, you get a chance to spit. You get a chance to do some stuff you can't do at home. So, no, I loved playing baseball. I really enjoyed it. 
Okay, so Jalen Ramsey, the owner of the Jacksonville Jags, Shadid Khan, has come out and said that they are not going to trade Jalen Ramsey. So Jalen Ramsey has a back injury, and Jalen says he can't play. But the owner has come out and said that they are not going to trade Jalen Ramsey. So with that, I ask you, what happens in Jacksonville? And are they, is, are they running the risk in Jacksonville of setting a standard in the league if they allow Jalen to get his wish on this, I'm going to pretend that I'm sick so I can't play until you trade me kind of thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think of, of what the owner's trying to get out of this because he's paying him weekly to not do anything. I mean, I don't. Does he think that he's going to continue to play him at the end of the year? He's going to come around and play or something. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm trying to trying to think what he thinks he's going to get out of it. And I can't. I can't think of anything positive, unless Jalen just changes his mind says no no i want to be a part of this team well you know how you can get Jalen to change his mind and be a part of the team you give him a contract oh well, yeah but he's already said he didn't even want the contract there no he's lying if they were to come up to him and they were to give <laughs> him a, if they were to give him like 70 or i don't know what the highest paid corner in the league is but if Jalen were to just shut his mouth right and were to just play football and were to get to free agency or whatever the stage is where you have to give him a contract Jalen would get the deal that would be the richest corner in the history of the NFL. Like, he's one of those players that, that breaks the bank. He would have been one of them. Right. I don't know how much money that is. Let's just say it's $80 million, right? I don't know. I don't know either. But let's just say that's the going rate right now for the highest-paid corner in the league, and that's what Jalen Ramsey is going to become. Well, if they were to offer that to Jalen right now, Jalen would take it. Oh, I don't know. You it don't. Right. You don't get out of the Brinks truck with bags of money, and then get offered to be the highest paid corner of the league and not take it. Yeah, but you can't give. I mean, the problem with Jalen now, you can't just give him a a conventional contract. I mean, in my opinion, you certainly can't. Well, he won't sign. I mean, he won't sign an be, AB contract where it's like it voids if you act all, like a total. Oh yeah. That, now that's standard, but. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of hurdles and things that you have to get through to to get that money. Well, he's not going to sign that. I mean, he's he's quit. He's not playing right now. You know, he's he is effectively they're calling it a hold in is what he's doing. He's getting his money, but he's still holding out. And it's yeah, working. I don't, I don't. It's he's getting money to not play. Right. Well, the thing they should have done that they didn't do right at the beginning was suspend him. They should have just suspended him, you know. And rather than have it go now, because the way it's working now, he claims he is hurt. He is getting money. Whereas if you would have just suspended him right off the bat, then you wouldn't have had to pay him. But they couldn't suspend him right off the bat because he played that first game against Jackson, against Tennessee. Oh, no, you can suspend him. Conduct detrimental. Sure. But can you really suspend him? Yeah. I mean, if Jalen says his back hurts, can you prove that his well, back no. doesn't once, hurt? Well, no. Once he's hurt, or once there's an injury involved, no. They, now it gets really, really cloudy. But can't but, every every player's hurt? Can't every player say, oh, "I'm sorry, my shoulder hurts"? I mean, they can. But I mean, there you can. There are certain parts of the body you can check and see if, in fact, there's something wrong. The back happens to be one of those that's really, really hard. 
Um, Which is probably why I he think, picked the back. Sure. But, uh, you know, in his case, he went for a while there. His back didn't hurt him until the next week. If they would have suspended, not messed around and suspended him right off the bat, when he he wanted to, um, what did he do? He missed practice and wanted to. Said he was sick, and then his daughter was born. Something and, else, yeah. But but if they would have could have suspended him right then, then you know you'd have probably been okay. But but now you're just you know you're stuck. So he's, they're just paying him and and not getting anything, and he's getting paid and not doing anything. Oh, I think it sets a horrible Pretty precedent good. in the league. Pretty good life. And well, then I, I wonder what Jalen's teammates are thinking, right? Like, you're quitting on us, but we're going to not be mad at you? I mean, like, the Steelers were furious when it came to, uh, what's his name, uh, Bell. When he held out, those Steelers' offensive linemen were pissed. And the Jacksonville guys, uh, they just don't seem to care. But they have such a bad culture in Jacksonville anyways. I'm not sure it really matters. But I, I – I don't know what you do if you're Jacksonville here. I don't see a, a light at the end of the tunnel. They've given Jalen too much power, and they because they're afraid of angering the guy, so they're going to try to play games with him to make him want to be a Jag again, and he's not going to want to do it. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's certainly not a healthy relationship. And the part that's bad is if in fact it were to make up, they were to all kiss and make up. That would last until the next episode, whenever that episode comes, whether it's six months or a year or a year and a half. And when it comes, then it'll be the same old, same old routine. It's like, you know, it's like perfect. It's like A.B. A.B. does what he's done for the last couple of years, and we're surprised. Perfect does what he's done for his entire career, and people are surprised. Who's surprised? What, what are you surprised about? He has done that forever. And I think this guy is going to be the same way. I mean, right now, you may get it calmed down at the end of the year or whenever and and get it started again. But guess what? It's coming. I mean, it's just a matter of when. 615-737-1025. Coming up next on Jared and the GM as we are live at Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tavern, the expectations for Matt Duchesne. People can pretend like he's not coming in to be the savior of the franchise. It feels like he's the savior to the franchise. We'll get to that coming up next. Jared and the GM, live from Pete and Terry's Tavern on game day. CSPN 1025 The Game.